morning. I'm going to pray to get us started this morning. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be here, your presence would be here. We know that that is true. We ask this morning as we confront a monster that we all have in our life, Lord, that this this monster would not overtake us because you were stronger than it. Lord, the thing that we are talking about this morning, help us to be open in our hearts, in our minds, to what your word says here, to the actions of Paul, to the words of Paul and Acts. Lord, help us to see ways that we can overcome and, and be around people that aren't like us, that don't talk like us, don't look like us, that don't act like us, that are nothing like us. Lord, help us to be the church. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is John Mueller. I'm the lead pastor here at Sunlight Community Church. I'd like to welcome you here this morning. We are going to be in the book of Acts, which if you have our church app, you can just click at the top and it goes straight to our event, version. If you don't have our church app, you can download it in iTunes or in the Google Play Store. This series that we're, we're going through right now is called Circles because we all have circles in our life. We have family circles, the people around us, our family. We have, we have school and work circles. We go somewhere during the week. Even if we're retired, we have volunteer circles. Think about it. You volunteer somewhere. There, there's, there's places you go, people you see. And then there's community circles even broader than that, that maybe people you don't see regularly. Like the person you always go to the same gas station and you see at the gas station. So we have sunlight circles meeting this week, which I'm using the circles term in another way, is people getting together to discuss uh, a little bit of the sermon, but also come together in community and, and really talk and pray for each other and encourage each other. So we have times and places that are in the app on the website and in the bulletin. So getting to what we're going to discuss today. This last week, if you were here, was a pretty hard sermon. <laughs> this week might even be harder to preach. And so we're going to be talking about diversity. And when you hear that word, I bet if we did word association around the room, a lot of people would say a lot of different things. And it would be positive and negative. And, and we'd realize that we're, we're pretty different on what that word means. So I'm actually calling this message the monster. And it's not the monster of diversity, because diversity if it's diversity of thought and ideas, is pretty hard to have. It's uncomfortable. And so it can be uncomfortable to be in a group of people not like you, that don't speak like you, that don't act like you, and most of all, they don't look like you. Ones that are of a different political party, maybe, or ones that are fans of the one team that you hate. Not talking about anybody. Oh, it's an inside joke. Sorry, I just pulled that in a sermon. But, the, but when it comes down to it, Christians, we just want to judge and hate other people a lot of the time. Instead of, like Christ did, went to people that everyone else is like, don't talk to that person. Let me give you an example this week. I know, I'm being really hip, or I'm actually being a meme right now, but Kanye West released an album that is literally all about Jesus. Can anyone believe that? Like, I mean, my generation, like, he was the rapper that everyone listened to. He released an album all about Jesus, and one of his lines was, I know the Christians are going to judge me. Like, like he, he knows it's coming because 
that's what we've shown people. Who, who am I to doubt that his faith is genuine? Even if the, the whole album, I'm like, well, he's not cursing. He's talking about Jesus the whole time. He's got a choir singing hallelujah here and this thing. I'm thinking, what is going on? I'm thinking the apocalypse has happened, okay? And I'm stuck here on earth somehow because that just doesn't make sense. Why would someone do that? When they've got money and everything they want, why would someone risk ridicule? Here's some other categories. Let me think about this. These are categories, these monsters, these, these people we turn into monsters. The ones that have the opinion you don't like. You know, isn't that a day-to-day thing, what your opinion is? Those conservatives, those progressives, those feminists, those immigrants, those Muslims, those Black Lives Matter, those alt-right people, those homeschoolers. <sighs> I was homeschooled, so that's, that's beside the point. Or maybe even... Those evangelicals. A quote from a book I read recently pretty much sums up how we're afraid of being in diverse groups. We want other people exactly like us. It said, we see monsters everywhere right now. Potential monsters hiding out in all kinds of places and behind the faces of all sorts of people. It all seems rational and logical and maybe justifiable, but it's jet-fueled by the emotion of fear. Let me stop for a second. Fear's the monster. It's what keeps us from other people. But he says this, he continues, he says, love compels us towards people. Love, when we love people, we move towards people. But fear creates a buffer. Love causes us to lean in, lean in and listen. But fear tells us we don't need to listen anymore. Fear offers us something in return, a sense of control, a sense of safety, placing our wants, our needs, our anxieties at the center of importance. Our marketing and politics in our country and every country are actually driven by fear. Our decisions are more fear-filled than love-filled many times. Today I'm going to ask you, this is really, if this is your first time here, I'm asking the highest possible bar right here. Today I'm going to ask you to love first And fear God. Don't fear anything else. Just fear God. So Paul, in Acts chapter 17, steps into a very difficult situation with people that had diverse beliefs, thoughts about God. And and he surrounds, and the, the, the problem is, I see that situation and I think, how many times am I in that? As a pastor, how many times am I in that? Because when I look around in this room, I spend time talking to you guys, right? When am I in a diverse situation? Are we surrounded by clones of ourselves because we fear others? Are we, are we surrounded by clones of ourselves because we fear others? The monsters, the, these, these other things? And Paul was in Athens in Acts chapter 17. He, he's at the center of philosophical thought. This is, this is the place that people went to derive what they believed about life. In Acts 17, 16, it says that it's a city full of idols. And Paul starts talking to the Jews. He starts with the Jews. That's a safe environment, right? And then he goes to the Epicurean philosophers, then the Stoic philosophers. He's getting further away from what he's comfortable with. And he's speaking of Jesus and the resurrection. And in Acts 17, 18, 
it says that he was a speaker of foreign divinities. And people are like, what is going on here? Who's this Paul guy? They've never heard anything like it. So they brought him to this place called the Areopagus. Because he was speaking things that they had never heard before. And all the Athenians, all the foreigners came to hear new thoughts. So they let Paul speak. Imagine that. So a few things I need to note. And you may wonder why I talk so much about fear. Paul wasn't driven by fear. He was driven by love. He's going into the, the literal like den of a bunch of lions. People that don't believe what he believes, don't care about his God, and think he's a crazy person. But they're like willing to let him listen to him because they're like, oh, we just want to listen to new beliefs. Paul was in a diverse environment. People had different ideas about life. And he was considered just one view of many. And so he goes to speak. He, he didn't run from this group. I know some of us, we'd probably be out the back door because it's like, I don't want to talk to a bunch of people. Like, this is a safe audience. When I'm preaching, you guys are a safe audience. If I were to go in front of a convention of atheists and preach the same message I'm going to preach today, I probably wouldn't get the same response, okay? So Paul is literally, that's what he's doing. He's saying, I'm going to speak to whoever's going to listen, even if they don't like my message. So we have to take these into, an account, into account. It was in an environment that wasn't, wasn't very friendly. And so in Acts 17, starting in verse 22, I'm going, to, I'm going to read this first part here through verse 25. It says, so Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said... Men of Athens, I perceive in every way that you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the heaven and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all mankind life and breath and everything. The first thing Paul says and does this in this environment, it says, you are very religious. He's paying him a compliment, right? In that time, in that culture, that was a compliment. You are very devoted. You're in church every week. You're there. You do extra stuff. You're there on Wednesday nights. You know, you're, you're doing everything. You're very religious. So I get to what my points are going to be today. My points in this passage are all things we have in common with everyone on this planet. So think in that frame of mind. I want you to put on a lens. This is something I have in common with everybody on this planet. And I'm going to start with the beginning. We all worship something. Very simple. We all worship something. Paul makes a few points to the people watching, and, and he says, I observed objects of your worship, I found altars. I said one, one that says an unknown God, he create, in a diverse environment, he created some common ground. He said, you worship like I do. That sounds really basic, but guess what? Sometimes, in our culture, people think they don't worship anything. But what they talk about most is what they're worshiping. Simple. Paul makes a pivot here, though, that we can use today. What you worship is the unknown. I know. 
I can speak of what this unknown God is. He's the fulfillment of what you are trying to worship. I know of a God that is going to do all the things that you could ever desire because he knows you and he created you. He pivots. So what are we all looking for? We all want an all-powerful God. We all want an all-powerful God. Paul says this God, this God that he's talking about is the one who made the world and everything in it. He didn't pull any punches. He didn't go in and stop. He kept going. There were people there that had no idea who God was. But we do this too. Before you guys get too like puffed up, we do the same thing too. We act as if we are the all-powerful God in the universe. Consumerism has only really complicated the issue. Let me, let me give you an example. Did you know that on Amazon right now, if you pull up your phone, you can order 600 million different items in the U.S. Amazon store. On the entire world, it's like something like 8 billion. Okay? You can order 600 million things right now and have them at your house within two days. We're God of our own universe, right? I mean, come on. Okay, so here's another way. If, you, if, you, if that's not your cup of tea, you can go on eBay, and eBay's got 1.2 billion listings in the United States. And you just buy whatever you want. We, more than any time in history, we can do what we want within reason. You go bankrupt, you get another credit card. Like, I mean, it's just, it just keeps, it's never ending. And so we are in control of our destiny, driven by fear. We fear that monster. The product won't get here soon enough. I need Amazon Prime. I use Amazon Prime, so maybe I'm afraid. If I go to the store, I might run into this person I've been avoiding, so I'm going to use Walmart pickup because it's easier. Ooh. Or, or maybe... I mean, it just goes on and on. And the real, the monster fear creates an echo chamber. It creates opportunities for us to be around people like us that are going to fuel the fire of our positive and negative attributes. And so what that means is you have a friend, and I, I'm sure you've had friends that do this. You go to vent to them. And then at the end of your venting, they're like, yeah, you're right. You don't want a friend like that. Because it's just an echo chamber. You're going to be driven further, further down. So think about this. Another example. All social media platforms at this point have created algorithms that only let you see things that you socially interact with. So for example, your circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller because there's only certain people you comment on and you don't see any of the other people that you're still friends with on Facebook. So basically what it's doing is creating an opportunity for you only to see ideas that you like because why would we ever want to hear anything that we don't like, and it creates this, this, this compounds this fear of issue against other groups. But on the other hand, we have Paul, and Paul's standing here, he says, this God of the universe is one that doesn't need anything, he doesn't need anything, but he gives us breath, he allows us to breathe, the God that created the universe is all-powerful, and we are not. And I'm here to say that I feel every day is a battle in this one point right here. We want to be all-powerful. We want 
to be in control. But we're not. No other thing that we worship is. No other thing that we worship is. Nothing else that we worship is in control except for God. He is the one that gave breath to the group that is, insert your negative description, the person that you don't like. He's the one that gave breath to them as much as you have breath in your lungs right now and you're breathing. He gave breath to them. Paul is being very bold with a group of what fear would call monsters. What we're afraid of. He was afraid of the Greeks. If you don't, if you don't see how crazy this is, this is like, this is inviting the people you hate to church. That's what Paul's doing. He's saying, hey, come to church. It's like Kanye West making a gospel album and people hearing more, more people hearing about Jesus than everybody preaching on the entire planet because this one guy that maybe he doesn't got it all right and maybe he's still a sinner and maybe he's just, he's not all together, but they're hearing Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King all day long and it's quite repetitive, okay? That's, that's what God does. He works, he works with people we don't expect. So let's continue here. I'm going to read verse 26 through verse 31 of Paul's sermon here. Paul says, and continues in verse 26, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought to not think that divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and the imagination of man, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he's fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. You can't get more straightforward. Who's he talking about? Jesus. He makes it clear that God created everyone through one man that was created. He is all-powerful. He controls the periods of time that the nations are here on the planet. You know, we live in America, and America hasn't been around a long time. You go to Europe or the Middle East, there are buildings that are older than our country. I mean, he controls the boundaries of the nations. Do we believe that? That's the God, and he's saying this to a bunch of people that don't want to hear it. Because guess what? This crazy Jew guy is talking about Jesus, who we've never heard about. But he's also here showing that this diverse group of listeners, that God is to be sought out and to be found. He needs to be sought out. He is common ground with this diverse group because we're all seeking God. And if someone tells you they're not seeking God, they're seeking God by making themselves a God or making someone else a God or making the God of self, like like being an atheist is really just people that love God or hate God, and that's it. 
There's only two categories. We're all seeking God. And Paul shares that God is not far from us. This is amazing. Think about this. He quotes a Greek poet. He had enough culture in that moment to say, if I'm going to reach the Greeks, I'm going to quote their poet and say, this is what this person was referring to. They may not know it. This Greek poet is talking about the God that I'm talking about worshiping. But he says, some will worship gold or silver, an image of art or imagination. And I think our equivalent could be any of these. So if you are taking notes, this is going to be fast because I'm going through a list, okay? Busyness. If I'm needed, I'm going to find my enoughness in being needed. I'm needed. Romance. I am so desirable in a relationship, I'm going to find my enough in a Hallmark channel. Oh, sorry, that's sarcasm. I'm going to find my enough, a little bit more serious here, in pornography. Parenting. My kid's on the honor roll and in goal of middle school and playing three sports in all state and all of them and, and in the choir and all while volunteering to tutor kids that, that are really behind in school and I'm going to find my enoughness in my kids. I'm going to live vicariously through my kids. Technology. Oh, I have the newest technology. I'm on all the social networks. I'm finding my enoughness in technology, but I'm lonelier than before. Work. I'm the top in all measurable categories at work. I am the best salesman. I am the best. But when I'm at home, I work. And I'm on vacation, and I work. I'm finding my enoughness in work. Leisure. This one's really easy. I've got the best lake house on the best, with the best boat, the fastest boat. And every weekend, I just want to chill out on the boat because I find my enoughness on, in leisure and relaxing. You guys will like this one, okay? This one's, this one's good. Food. I'm eating the best food. Paleo, Whole30, keto, keto, keto. I'm eating the best food. If I eat better than others, good will happen. And I'm finding my enoughness in my food. It's my religion. Politics. My party is right on everything. And always will be. And there's no solutions that I will argue with the other people and the other party. To the point of death, I will argue that we are right. The government gives me what I need or what I don't need. I find my enoughness in politics. We all were ignorant of our idols at some point. And guess what? The people that sit next to you at work, in the cubicle next to you, the people you're around, were ignorant at one point. And maybe they are now. The things we were feeding our feelings of enoughness, that we were just enough because of that. And you know what? I don't need God, this all-powerful God. That Guess what? He's going to tell me what to do. I don't want that. Even if he's got my best interest in mind and he's so much wiser than I am because I make dumb decisions. But I don't want that. And so Jesus Christ is the only one to find our enough in. 
That's why we all need the same thing. You know, last week I had a lot of points. This week I have very simple four points, and they're very simple. We all need to repent. Paul's sermon here, he gets to this end part and he just says, we all need to repent. No matter what your worldview is, we need to repent. Repent of worshiping ourselves, the things we have, the things we do, the things we find our enoughness in, and we need to seek this all-powerful God that says, I am the creator. Because we have mistaken the creator of the universe. We've worshipped the created instead of the creator. Our culture is based on this. Why do you think celebrities come up with names? Like, I'm the king. Oh, I'm the king. Oh, okay. You're the king of what? Money? Your TV show? I don't know. Why, why would God do this? I think this is a sixth sense of humor. Someone that used to call themselves a god, Kanye West, is now saying Jesus is king within like two years. That's crazy. And I'm only saying that because don't listen to any of his old music, but he's literally said he's not going to play any of his old music. I think that's crazy. He went on Jimmy Kimmel and he made fun of him. He got ridiculed. Like, you're a Christian now? Our culture is based on lifting ourselves up. Our culture is based on we have enough. Our culture is based on I'm going to get instant gratification. I can turn on Netflix on my phone during my sermon and watch Netflix, right? I can do whatever I want. That's our culture. And so so we have to realize what Paul talks about here. Paul talks about our world right now. He talks about our world. He said, the world has an appointed Savior that will give us eternal life, the one that was raised from the dead. And I want you guys to say this, so I need some feedback here. You've got to be really loud. And this is a very Sunday school answer, but who's the appointed Savior that was raised from the dead? Okay, louder, together. Okay, Paul is telling them it's Jesus. He didn't stop because someone in the room didn't like what he believed. He didn't pull the punches. He didn't stop saying things. He still says this. And because of this, We worship other things. We worship sports. We worship money. We worship power. We worship control. We worship our kids. We worship our jobs. We worship pretty much everything but the God of the universe. And yet, we look at others as monsters because of fear. But on this day, when Paul spoke up, he didn't see other people as monsters, but people that needed all the things that he needed. Simple. He didn't create barriers there. He said, I love these people. I know they need exactly what I need. And I'm not going to be afraid. You want to know what the result of his faith was? Paul's love for other people with different viewpoints. If you guys continue reading in the passage there, which you can in your Bible, some came to faith. But there's a whole other group that mocked him. There's a whole other group that just mocked him. This summer, I, I was on sabbatical, and I walked into one of the most uncomfortable situations I've ever been in my life. And so I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about this situation. I was invited by a friend who's a missionary to a slam poetry night in Chicago. And some of you I might have told this story to. I didn't know what I was getting into. Um, it was kind of on the north side of town uh, near a university. Uh, I walk in. And the person that's, like, signing people up or, like, checking because you have to pay to get in, you know, 
Um, she introduces herself as a witch, and I knew I was on something a little weird at that point, you know. And so I'm like, oh, okay, all right, crazy witch. Um, so the first person comes up, and they do a poem, and it was my favorite one because it was all about math. It was so simple. There's nothing controversial about it. The guy was talking about, like, like pie and all this stuff. I was like, oh, cool, you know, like. He got really into stuff that was about calculus, so I wasn't really sure some of it, but I just knew it wasn't bad. So the next person gets up, sits down with his guitar. He looks a lot like me. He was wearing Levi's. He even had a collared shirt on, like a polo. He sits down. He says, I'm going to sing a song about communism. What? You know? Like, what? 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 So he sings this song where he basically took a, like a 60s song or 70s song and he made it a communist song. Like he changed the lyrics. It was like, whoa, okay. Amber waves of grain in the communist. I don't know. He was just, it was, it was crazy. So then he's like, hey, I got a couple more minutes. So can I, can I read this reading from a witch? It's about the full moon. I'm like, God, where am I? Like, what is this? Why did my friend take me here? He's a believer. What is going on? It was eye-opening to me. In that moment, I was in a room with people that worship the occult, that literally are in direct opposition to everything I believe, everything I stand for, everything that I want my kids to be around, right? Don't we want our kids to be around people like us? Everything, I was like, this doesn't make sense. And my friend that brought me, I want you to know, he's about five foot four. He's a white guy. Sticks out like a sore thumb in the neighborhood there. And he goes there and does poetry because those people need Jesus too. Because he's like Paul. He wouldn't like me saying that because he wouldn't want to like the comparison. But, but he's like Paul. He's in a group that is diverse and isn't like him. And they've embraced him. They call him pastor. He's not a pastor. Like, he's just a guy that does poetry at open mics in Chicago. But I realized the guy on stage there wasn't a monster. He's wearing a Polish shirt like me. He wore Levi's. Honestly, I talked to him for a couple minutes. Seemed like a normal guy. But he was really, 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 really lost. He really didn't know what was up and what was down. He didn't realize that what he was looking for and longing for was Jesus Christ. And so, I want to give you the reason that was most important that I was there. My friend was the only Christian that many of those people have ever had a positive experience with. It was the only person that they may have ever met that was a Christian outside of what the news media has told them Christians are. Think about that. That's really scary. They feared at first he was going to be a monster, and then he started rapping about his kids in his minivan. And they were like, this dude's crazy. He's one of us. I like this. But fear does that. Don't we do that? Someone doesn't hold the door open for you by mistake and you slam right into the door, you assume they're a jerk, right? Someone, someone breaks really hard a bunch of times, you're like, is this guy like on something? You know, we, we think the worst right away. And the problem is, fear is what does that. My fear in that moment was I was in a room full of people that were going to mock me. Because of my faith. And guess what? It never came. 
I never had someone say, why are you with the crazy pastor guy? Are you a Christian? They knew I was a Christian because I kept talking to them about Jesus. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't an issue. And, and I think that we forget that sometimes if other people are a monster, we're the same monster. We need those four things. We need to repent just like everyone else. And fear will make monsters. FDR, one of our presidents, said one of the most famous quotes about fear. The only thing to fear is fear itself. And I'd like to modify that a little bit. I know. I'm not FDR. I'm not someone famous. I want to change a little bit. The only thing we have to fear is God. So start loving others instead of fearing them. What are you afraid of? Have you ever had someone spit in your face? I have. Have you ever had someone cuss you out all day long? That was like my social work job, like every day. You ever have someone mock you because, because oh, I know your life's changed now, so like I'm going to try to get you to do something that I know you don't agree with? Yeah, that's all, every day, don't we have something like that? So I'm going to ask you a question. Who do you think is a monster? Who do you think is the monster? Maybe an enemy? Maybe a group of people? And I'm going to ask, this morning, I'm going to give some application here, but I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit crazy. Whoever that monster is in your mind, I'm going to ask you to do exactly what I said at the beginning of the sermon. Love first and fear God. Don't fear the other person or people group. Love first and fear God. You know what? The first thing that will happen is that monster that you've thought about is going to prove you right, right? They're going to do the thing that you think they're going to do that's going to hurt you. But guess what? You're just like them. Your relationship with Jesus goes the same way. Every day, he gives grace. Every day, he loves more. And so when we're in diverse groups of people with diverse thoughts and diverse ideas, we need to realize that we should not be afraid because we have the truth. There is no other truth on this planet in the universe of all time that, that, that is larger, greater, or more wise than the word of God. So what are we afraid of? What, is it, what does this mean for our circles, our family circle? Don't let the fear monster rule your decisions. We can't be afraid. We can't do it anymore. Fear creates anxiety, creates depression. It's exhausting. Let love rule in your speech with your family, seeking to lead your family closer to God. I, I read a lot this summer, and one of the quotes that I just couldn't get out of my mind, and I'm not a great memorizer, so this is, this is a paraphrase, but you want to be known and loved best by the people you're closest to, not the people furthest from you. You know what happens with celebrities is people love them, but their families despise them. And you don't want to be that person. So let your love rule in your speech. So here's something that I think can go many different directions. You worship the creator, not the created. And let your family see your devotion. Let them see it. Let them know that... that 
I, I, I'm not going to worship anything else. It doesn't mean you can never watch TV. It means, it means you're focused on what's right and what's true and what's pure. And you see the teachable moment with someone else. It doesn't have to be your kids. It doesn't have to be a wife. It doesn't have to be a spouse. It could be anybody. It could be someone in your dorm. It could be someone at your school. You see the moment. You take hold of it. You don't let, let distractions stop you from worshiping the creator. So school and work. You don't live in fear of your coworkers or fellow students that are not like you. Because, because guess what? What did Paul say? Everyone that has breath, you were created by the God of the universe. You're like me, Paul. You're, you're the same. You need to repent too. I needed to repent. And you know what? I used to kill people that talked like me. Befriend those who are not like you. In the community, this, I, I'm being very bold in how I say this, but for the sake of Jesus Christ, spend time around people not like you, for his sake. Because that's what he did. He had, he had women coming in that were so devoted to him, they rubbed perfume with their hair on his feet. And people were saying, why would you ever let that woman in here? But then he said, do you see what she just did? Listen first to other people's opinions without responding. I struggle with this. My mind's like a constant treadmill of thoughts. So even when I'm up here, I got like three thoughts every time I say one sentence. Just focus on what the person is saying and don't let anything else distract you from it and ask God to allow you to do that. Listen first to people's opinions without responding. You know what? Even if you think they're crazy, because guess what? I think Jesus listened to a lot of crazy people. A lot of people had weird ideas. Paul's sitting there in front of a bunch of people that he doesn't agree with. He had to listen to some of them because he knew the Greek poet. He knew that verse. He knew the poem that he used to share about the gospel. And this just summarizes everything. Be willing to love first and fear God. We can't fear anything else. Life's too short for that. You know, the moment you get married, if you're not married, just know there's this one fear that creeps in. And the, creepy, the thing that creeps in is that your family is going to have a house, going to be able to provide a place to stay, and that everything's not going to fall apart. But if I believe in the God of the universe, I know that no matter what happens in my life, my family's life, he is with us. It doesn't matter what we have. It matters that we have each other. It also matters that we're around other people that we can, we can help and we can serve. So what? I mean, I, this is the simplest so what I've ever done, I think. We all worship something, and we need to worship the all-powerful God. This week, make a decision. If, I, if you went through that list of idols and things that we worship, cut one out. Just say, no, I'm not going to do that. We need to worship the all-powerful God. And then this is very simple. We all seek God and need to repent. There are tons of people that seek God and they don't take that last step. And I want to tell you today, if that is you in the room, remember, Paul is telling essentially the most, the most, the audience that's going to be the most, not, or they're not willing to listen. 
And I want you to know that even people there repented. So you are not past the point of God's forgiveness and grace. And you need, if, if that's not you, if you're like, man, I've, I've repented, I'm following Jesus, that's what you need to share with people. There is nothing you've done or ever will do that can keep you from the grace and love of Jesus Christ if you're willing to repent. Because, I know I'm quoting him again, because like Kanye says, Jesus is king, Jesus is Lord, that's what it is. He's king of the universe, he's the creator God, he's everything. We're going to continue to worship this morning. And as we sing this song, be thinking of who is that monster that you're afraid of and how God's going to use you to reach them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, work in our hearts, in our minds, to change us, to help us to not be afraid anymore, afraid of what's around us, afraid of the people that are in our lives. Help us to be bold, to walk into situations and listen but also share. Help us to love others so well that we are, we are unwilling to leave situations without sharing how God loves us and cares for us. Help us to create people or groups around us and, and people and circles that are not made up of people just like us. Because by the grace of God, we've learned about in this series that 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 Jews and Gentiles were sitting at the same table and it was a miracle. It could only be done by God. Let's hear stories of that, stories of your grace in our church. God, change us, transform us to be the people of God that are reaching those around us, that your Holy Spirit would move in our church and in our community to bring those around us to faith in you. We say all this in Jesus' name.